We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to an NFL Week 13 edition of the Rotowire Sports Betting Pod. Myself, Nick Whalen, joined, as always, by my close compadre, John McKechnie. John, we have a an abbreviated slate to break down this week. Six teams on by. Thankfully, uh, we are done with this by nonsense uh, after Week 13. But no Bills, no Bears, no Raiders, no Vikings, no Giants, uh, and no Baltimore Ravens, your favorite team. So uh, we could view the board uh, objectively and... You know, I, I hate when a bunch of other teams are on by. Like, I feel like we're being shortchanged when we only have 13 games instead of 15 or 16. But when your team is rolling like the Ravens are, it's kind of nice to, to be able to sit back and just, you know, chill out, watch these games objectively and not have not have the stress of watching your favorite team sometimes. No, exactly. And, and Sunday night was was a little bit too close for comfort. You know, the, yeah. the classic uh, Ravens is not being able to, to put teams away. Um, you know, the Chargers started to look like they, they just – weren't gonna weren't gonna stop scoring in the fourth quarter, even though you know the scoreboard, I suppose, suggests otherwise. And it looked like the Ravens they just were gonna can't go, stop putting the points, those Chargers. And it looked like the Ravens were gonna go three and out every single time. But yeah. the, the defense made made some plays. Um, so now I can di- direct all of my stress to the Georgia Bulldogs. They get set to face uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide here in Atlanta. Um, I'm uh, I'm nervous about that one, but that you know that's outside the the broader scope of the show. Um, clearly, you're not enough of a best ball sicko to remember that uh, the Cardinals and the uh, Commanders are on bye next week, though. Oh, really? Are they? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. This whole time I've been thinking we were done with bye weeks. Oh my god! All right. Well, yeah, yeah I, should, I should have known the you know those two teams of all teams uh, would be pulling <laughs> off the week 14 bye. But all right, I stand corrected on that. I sound like an idiot to begin the show. No. Uh, I want to ask you real quickly. Uh, so, one, did you consider going? to the SEC title game. I mean, this is now three years in a row that Georgia's basically been in this same position. Are you more nervous, less nervous? Like, is, you know, having the chance to three-peat, which no team has done in forever, like, does this feel like there's almost more pressure on this one than last year? Like, I, I'm interested to get in on, on your psyche as a fan here because you're in a very unique position and one that, as a Wisconsin Badger, I probably will never, ever be close to. It, it lands in the middle. Like, last year, I felt very confident about uh, be, beating LSU. Um, the, the first year... Uh, you know, it was such a magical season. And then I was very nervous about Bryce Young in Alabama at the time. And, I mean, Alabama just smoked Georgia. The, the defense looked slow, sluggish, out of sorts. And, you know, that was that was awful. You know, I thought that Georgia was at risk of missing the playoff. That's my big concern is, is does Georgia miss the playoff if they lose? And, and I think Oregon's going to make a loud enough statement on, on Friday night. 
Texas is favored by 15 points. They have the win straight up mm-hmm. over Alabama, so that's going to help probably keep them ahead of the tide potentially. Um, Washington, again, by extension of Oregon, uh, winning on Friday, my expectation that that would knock them out. Um, but, you know, I think that the crux of the matter is how the committee tre- treats Florida State um, because they, they are not the same team without Jordan Travis. But can you really leave an undefeated Florida State team out of the playoff? That That's uh, that's going to be tricky for, for the committee to sort out. And yeah. does does Georgia or has their season been good enough to where does the committee um, forgive them for the one loss and just drop them to like third or fourth in the seating? So as long as they still get into the playoff, I, I don't really care, but I, I am very scared of, of Jalen Milrow. Uh, that dude is a hell of an athlete, and uh, he, he, you know, fourth and thirty-one last week, season on the line, just, just delivers a dagger against Auburn. Unreal. That was awesome. That was so much fun to watch. Uh, I mean, these these last two weeks, you know, last week and this coming week are like two of my favorite weeks of the entire sports calendar, specifically for all the college football we have coming at us. We got some great college basketball. We got pre-in-season tournament weekend in the NBA. Ooh, yeah. Uh, But let's focus our attention here, John, on the NFL. And we'll talk quickly about Thursday night football for those watching along live. You know, most of you will hear this, you know, maybe during the game, the large portion of you probably after, uh, you know, you and I chatted about this this afternoon. We both like the Cowboys. Uh, It's, it might be a square pick at this point, you know, four weeks in a row, they're big favorites. Didn't quite get to double digits. You'll see some nines and nine and a halves out there. I I just, I can't really get there with Seattle right now. Um, You know, they're not, they're not as bad as most of the teams uh, that Dallas has beat up on at home. You know, 205 to 60 uh, is their margin of victory in, in their five home games so far this season. You know, the Giants are in there. The Rams are in there. Uh, you know, some other some other bad teams. Obviously, the Commanders last week. I, I don't think Seattle's in that bucket. But without Kenneth Walker, with Geno Smith still banged up, an offense that just can't really get off the ground the last couple of weeks, I think, I think we get another Dallas Rob, man. Uh, that's It's what they do. It's their calling card. Like, if you have – you know, significant weaknesses, they're going to exploit them. Um, I, I think that they're the, the Seahawks are not going to be able to generate much in the way of offense whatsoever. Again, with, with Kenneth Walker um, being sidelined, we, we expect. Gino has turned back into a pumpkin, sadly. Um, and and with, with how opportunistic that this uh, Dallas secondary is, like it, I wouldn't hate the idea of, of throwing down on, on the Cowboys defense, scoring a touchdown on Thursday night. I think Yes, square like in all likelihood, but at the same time, uh, I think the square is sharp. I, I think that uh, the square's the Cowboys, got four corners, baby. Yeah, it does, and they're all ninety degrees. That's pointy. So, um, <laughs> I get, give me the the Cowboys to to kind of run Seattle out of the gym. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, like a 49 to 10 situation. We've seen some just monster blowouts. I think Seattle can hang around more than that. But um, yeah, Dallas I'm not sure that they, they looked, yeah. they looked uncompetitive against the 49ers. And I think the Dallas. 49ers are another level up though, man. I mean, they are. Seattle, could, Seattle did look uncompetitive. I'm not fighting you on that. I mean, they, what did they run? Like 18 plays in the first half? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was, was embarrassing. My mom was like, I was watching it with her on Thanksgiving. She's like, what, what's their deal? Why are they so bad? <laughs> See, I, I watch these games with my my now wife, which I, I'm still like integrating that into my vocabulary. And she goes the other way. She's just like, I feel so bad. Like, why can't they just just let them score? This is so mean. I'm like, no, we're not playing this game. You know, run it up. I, I don't care. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's get to the main slate. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the early games on Sunday. We'll get into the late window, and then of course hit Chiefs, Packers, and Bengals, Jags. I uh, got some some stats to throw at you as far as when the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars played on Monday Night Football. Uh, but we'll get to that later. We'll talk through some games that we may use for our Circa Million entry. Uh, we, we missed the deadline, John, to to get those in for the Thursday night game. I'm okay with that. As much as I like the Cowboys, I, I want to get some more information. I want to see you know where some things move over the next couple of days. we got some injuries that we'll discuss as well. But we will we'll talk about some games that will not be on the card. We'll talk about which games we're considering uh, coming off of a three and two week in Circa. Uh, we're on a nice little run of late. I think we've had four or five positive weeks in a row, 13, six and one. Uh, over the last four weeks for us in the circuit contest, we are four games above 500 on the year with four pushes, which every, every single one of those, John, it felt like they've just been like daggers in us. Oh my God. And I know I'm, I'm trying to think of the most recent push. Was it the chargers like two weeks ago? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, every push has been a brutal push. There's, there's not been one that it, it's always been a push. That's like gone. Yeah. You know, we were, we were in position to win it and then it turns into a push as opposed to a loss to a push, but Regardless, yep. everybody's got their sob stories in the circuit contest. We're, we're, we're happy with where we are right now. Lost on <laughs> maybe our worst pick of the year, Arizona, uh, to, oh, man. to beat the Rams. Um, although we did take the Rams against the Cowboys a few weeks back. Yep. And that was another I, was, I pushed hard for that one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I handed up it twice. Look, when, you, when you have a dream, when you have a premonition, you got to follow it. I thought Arizona actually came out pretty strong early on. I thought we were going to be maybe on the right side of that one. We were not. Uh, we'll talk more about the Cardinals in a bit. Lost on Houston as well. I, I still like that pick. Um, I think Houston yeah. wins that game in overtime if they could just get the the 59-yarder, like two more inches, I think probably bounces forward instead of like 40 yards backwards off the crossbar. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then our, our, our three wins were pretty nice, though. San Francisco didn't have to sweat that. Baltimore a little bit, but ultimately a game that they controlled. And then Pittsburgh uh, just steamrolling the Cincinnati Bengals 16-10. to 10. <laughs> Anyway, let's get to week 13. And we start, John. Right at right with the best game of the week, the Chargers and the Patriots. Uh, right now, the Chargers are five and a half point favorites at DraftKings on the road at New England. This one locked at five in Circa. I I, I got to say, I didn't give a whole lot of thought to this one for the Circa contest. You, you could maybe talk me into the LA side of things. I just I can't get there right now with the, with the Patriots whatsoever. 
Um, but it would also be, you know, very Patriots like to just kind of randomly show up here and keep this one within a field goal because the Chargers, man, I, I know the defense actually looked pretty good. That was that was really surprising to me against the Ravens, how well that defense held up because it's been extremely hit or miss and mostly miss this season, especially with no Joey Bosa. Right. Uh, but the offense to me, man, I mean, it's, it's it's literally falling apart. Austin Eckler has been terrible. He looks slow. Quentin Johnston, just a complete non-factor. We saw saw a lot of Alex Erickson down the stretch uh, in that Baltimore Which game. you probably liked, but. I I mean, I respect him as a Badger, but my God, I didn't mm-hmm. even know he was in the league. I got to be honest. I didn't know he was in I the NFL. Either. That was uh, that was unbelievable. So, yeah, to your point here, that this is a game that, that um, nobody could love. I mean, if not for gambling, that no one would be interested in this game. Um, yeah, I, I, I simply, I can't back the, the Patriots with any confidence, but I also can't really back the Chargers with any confidence and they, they have the long trip, a, a relative, um, rest disadvantage having played last Sunday night. Um, if I had to choose, I, I would pick the Chargers here, but I mean, it, it's really, it's nothing pointing in their favor so much as no. just the, the Patriots being that bad. Yeah, this is a, a pretty clear stay away for me. Um, yeah, we were we were talking about this game on the radio last night on XM with with our pal Scott Pianowski from Yahoo, and he he dropped a great line, just a just a great like veteran, uh, you know, football mind line. We were no, actually no, we were talking about the Carolina game, and he was saying he's like, you know, I asked him like, you know, why do you like Carolina plus five and a half? And he's like, look, sometimes you got to dance with an ugly date. <laughs> <laughs> Respect to PL. Absolutely. Yeah, and that is that is exactly how I would describe either either side of this game if you're using mm-hmm. it in, in any contest or betting it. So we will we'll move on. That's gonna be a stay away for us. Although I will say I do like the I like the under on Austin Eckler's rushing prop this week. Uh you know, it's, it's up at 53 and a half. Like I said, he's looked slow. He's putting the ball on the ground. Uh the Chargers can't block whatsoever on top of all this. He's gone, he's gone under that total in five of his last seven games. And the one thing New England can do is stop the run. Stop the run. I mean, they are number one in rush defense EPA on the year. Um, and that's in a lot of situations where teams are, you know, trying to run the ball on them uh, in the second half. So maybe some obvious run situations there, but I, I don't like the spot for Austin Eckler. Take the under on 53 and a half rushing yards. Let's move on to Lions Saints. Somewhat of a fun game. Could be a fun game. Likely won't be, but there's a chance it's fun. Uh, so it's in New Orleans. Lions are four-point favorites. You'll see some four-and-a-halves out there as well. That's where it's at in Circa. Total all the way up at 47. Feels kind of high for a Saints game. It, it does, but, you know, maybe maybe that goes to suggest that the Lions are, are going to be able to score and, and maybe uh, the Lions' defense lets down like, like it has over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I read an interesting stat for, from Casey Joyner, a kind of famous veteran NFL betting writer, and, and he noted that um, the Lions are 7-0 when, when they've allowed fewer than 26 points this season. That's all well and good, but the you know New Orleans is not living in that kind of scoring territory, right? They've, they've only done it twice, and it was against New England, again, in one of like the stranger games of the entire season, and then a bit of a shootout against Indianapolis. I don't know if that necessarily means that the Lions cover because they're going to be able to hold uh, New Orleans under that 26 figure, four and a half is kind of a, a tricky number um, to be dealing with here. And frankly, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but the the last couple of weeks on, on the Lions have been pretty shaky. I mean, their 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 performance against the Bears was not inspiring. Obviously, got beat up pretty good by by the Packers at, at home on Thanksgiving as well. Do they take the show on the road and get it done? They are four and one against the spread on the road in New Orleans is crazy enough. The, the Dome used to mean something, but they are 0-4 against the, 
against the yeah. spread at home. If I had to do it, I would probably take Detroit, but uh, I have enough negative thoughts about them to where I'd, I'm not interested in including them on the card. Yeah, me neither. I would lead Detroit as well. It, it does feel like, you know, they've gotten off to such bad starts the last two weeks. I, I think they they do remedy that. You know, turnovers have obviously been an issue. Goff losing three fumbles last week. It's like that's that is who Jared Goff is, but it's it's also a fluky stat and something that doesn't really translate week to week. And I, I think they clean that up. There are some big injuries on the New Orleans side too. I mean, Chris Olave has been limited. We don't know if he's going to play. Same with Rashid Shahid. He did not practice today. Obviously, Michael Thomas is on IR. Uh, even Blake Groupie might not play. Uh, he's, he's dealing with a groin injury, presumably from taking six kick attempts last week uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. I think he's just dealing with like a fatigued leg. Uh, so if Blake Groupie's not available, I mean, that could change everything for the New Orleans offense. But yeah, th- this one is tough. I mean, I I was doing some research, you know, when I was writing up the games this week. And obviously Detroit's defense has been a huge issue. You know, on top of the turnovers, allowed over 500 yards to Baltimore, over 420 to the Chargers, I mean, 334 nice. to Chicago, which is the equivalent of like 600 for the Bears, <laughs> and, and almost 400 to Green Bay last week. And that was with some short fields for the Packers. Since week seven, uh, per Nate Tice of The Athletic, the Lions are 31st in defensive success rate, dead last in defensive EPA per play. Uh, they have a, a QB average time to throw over three seconds. That seems short, but that's pretty long. Uh, Where's the it, pass rush? Insane. Yeah, right. Exactly. 18.8% explosive pass rate allowed. Uh, which is like basically what the Dolphins do, as, as Nate Tice notes here uh, in his tweet. So some concerning trends on that defense, but I, I don't think I don't think Derek Carr and, and the banged up Saints, who might be without two or or all three of their top receivers, really take advantage of it. So my lean there would be on Detroit as well. Falcons Jets. Uh, let's see if we could do this one in like forty seconds, John. Hmm. Falcons are two point favorites on the road. Our total is down at thirty four. These are this is a battle between two entities that I do not trust whatsoever. Yeah, I think. At the end of the day, though, the Jets have, you know, just a, an important offense. It, it's so bad. And I, I think that the Jets defense, for one reason or another, I think they might be a little bit overrated, just a yeah. little bit. And maybe maybe it's because they're just dejected from what the offense gives them, which is nothing. And after, you know, three months into a season, it's like uh, we're we're tired of giving 100 for this. But either way, I think the Falcons win and win ugly. I think it's a, a rather friendly number if you're, if you're backing uh, the Falcons here with, with that number just being at uh, just two points. So um, I will take the Falcons as road favorites in this one because I don't think Tim Boyle can do anything. I don't think so either. And the Jets have posted 155 and 159 yards of total offense, total offense over the last two games. Uh, that that's not going to get it done uh, against teams like Buffalo and Miami, probably not even going to get it done uh, against Atlanta. I, I think, I mean, obviously the Falcons, we know are going to find a way to make this ugly. I would, yeah. I would actually lean under even on such a low number at 34. I mean, this, this to me is like a, like a 17 to, to nine game uh, in favor of Atlanta, which, you know, it, it's been a pretty decent defense and improved Falcons defense. They get takeaways. We saw a couple of those in the red zone last week against New Orleans. So, um, you know, Atlanta, you never want to trust him. It's not like Desmond Ritter is all that much better than Tim Boyle in my mind, but I think they can ride the running game here and just kind of eke out a pretty gross victory. Cardinal Steelers, fun game to discuss, John. Um, we got a rematch of what was that, like the 2009 Super Bowl, something like that, the, the Larry Fitzgerald right. Super Bowl. Steelers 08 are, season, 09 calendar year. Yes, right. of course. Yeah, I remember the the split Madden cover. I think it was Palomalu and, uh, and Fitzgerald. Steelers five and a half point favorites at home. Total is 41 and a half. You know, I, 
I, I did a video that we do each week, you know, for Circa talking about our picks for the contest, had our guy Brandon Kravitz on to kind of debate me on some of these. First one I pitched was like, I love, I love Pittsburgh minus five and a half. And he was like, absolutely not. I love the Cardinals plus five and a half. So you're going to be Ooh. the tiebreaker on this one. Well, I'm siding with Yins here. I, I like the, I like the Steelers. See, I use a little Pittsburgh parlance. Yeah, really good stuff I, there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I think that the Cardinals are in deep trouble in this spot. I think that the, their defense versus this run game for, for Pittsburgh is going to be an issue. Um, I don't even necessarily, you don't, have to necessarily even believe that the the Steelers offense has turned over this new leaf since firing Matt Canada to d- expect that they, they're going to be able to move the ball with ease on the Cardinals. And it's, it's going to be at home. I think it's interesting. Sometimes looking at props can kind of give you an idea of where Vegas kind of expects certain players uh, performances to, to end up And Kyler Murray's uh, passing yardage prop. When, last time I checked was 212. Wouldn't that seem low? Wouldn't that seem like a slam dunk to to take the over on that? It's like, well, I don't think they're handing out slam dunks like that. So there, there has don't. to be a reason. No, no. That's why the casinos are so large and opulent. Um, so I, I think that we're going to see Kyler struggle. He only threw for 214 in his other road start this year. That was against the Texans, who uh, I don't believe have as good of a defense as the Steelers. They don't. They don't. This is a this is just a, a bad setup for for Arizona. I think Arizona is pretty fun generally. I, I do enjoy watching them, but that doesn't mean that they're competitive or uh, even plucky anymore. So I, I think that the Steelers get this one done, and they keep getting away with it. They're not good, but their record is going to imply that they're insane. Yeah, this one to me is all about the Arizona defense, and I think you said it. Like I'm not. You know, I, I don't want to be like the oh the Steelers offense is back guy, which by the way, I, I do think they have they have like better pieces than the the Matt Canada offense showed. So like I, I do think you know the post Canada bounce could be real, but that's not that's not my handicap here by any means. It's about the Arizona defense. They're dead last in pressure rate, they're dead last in opponents first downs given up. They're 31st in EPA per play on defense, they're dead last in opponent success rate. I mean, this is a game where you're not asking Kenny Pickett to go out and throw for 350 yards. You're asking Najee Harris and Jalen Warren to combine for you know over 200 yards on the ground, which the Rams did with ease last week against Arizona. And Matthew Stafford also threw four touchdowns in that game, right? I mean, it's a defense that hemorrhages yards. They hemorrhage points. You know, I know Pittsburgh has been pretty bad in the red zone. They were, what, like one of four, one of five last week. That's going to continue, I think, to be an Achilles heel. Uh, but I really like the spot for Pittsburgh. I love Najee Harris over 55 and a half rushing yards as well. Uh, Steelers three and one against the number as a favorite this season. We always think of them as a team that you want to take as a dog, you know, the Mike Tomlin narrative. Uh, but I, I think this is a team that, you know, we, we, again, we can quibble about the back Canada thing, but it's different than firing a head coach. I, I also think you, you get some of the Josh McDaniels bump here because I, I think all the players, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris, all those guys wanted back Canada gone. Right. And right. I, I, th- I think they're all Mike Tomlin guys. They don't want him gone, uh, but there's, there's going to be a boost internally for this team. They should have scored more points. If you, if you look at, you know, the, the per drive numbers, the total yardage, it implies that you score a lot more than 16 points last week against Cincinnati. And look, the Bengals are a bad defense as well. Uh, there might not even be that big of a gap between the Bengals and the Cardinals defense at this point. But um, at worst, I, I see Pittsburgh kind of repeating what it did last week. And if they win this game 16 to 10, then so be it. We win the bet. There, there it is. Uh, well, well said. Landed it. Let's move on. Let's move on to Colts Titans. AFC South battle uh, Titans really, this might be the last stand for them. If they have any hope whatsoever to make the playoffs, I, I don't think they do. Um, but you know, this would, this would pretty much be it from a math perspective. If they lose this one, they are one point 
home dogs to the Gardner Minshew-led Indianapolis Colts, our total 42.5. I, I do give slight lean to the Colts here, but this is one that I, I didn't really put a whole lot of consideration into for the circuit contest. So Indianapolis and the Rams kind of fall in that same bucket to me where like they're alive in, in the playoff hunt, but I, I have no idea if they're actually good or not. I'm less sure of the Rams than I am of Indianapolis, but Indianapolis definitely still has some pretty fatal flaws. But at the same time, you look at the AFC playoff picture, the Bills have kind of uh, put themselves behind the eight ball. Uh, teams like the Jets are, are falling by the wayside, the Bengals with, with no Joe Burrow. So I think for one reason or another, like Indianapolis could definitely find their way into the playoffs somehow. But, you know, with what does it mean for, for this game? Well, they they have been road warriors this year. They're four and one against the spread on the road. Tennessee has been great at home against the spread. So something's got to give there. They're four and one. They're they're terrible on the road against the spread. So but we'll be able to play around with that a little bit later on later in the season. But you know, what what do those trends mean exactly for, for this game? I do find uh some concern that the the Titans are a bit of a pass funnel defense. They can stop the run a little bit. I would still start Zach Moss for fantasy yep. purposes, but I think this sets up pretty well for that Indianapolis passing game. And if they get in, in rhythm there, I don't think Tennessee can really keep up in any sort of offensive back and forth type of game. So my lean is Indianapolis, but at one point, you know, that, that's um, it's not the, the strongest. And the public isn't sure what to do on this one either, like 56% of the money is coming in on Indianapolis. So where are you with this one? Yeah, I, I lean Indy just because I think they can score. And, you know, Tennessee, when they win games, they, you know, they, they, they got to hold the opponent basically under 20 points, right? Uh, they've scored more than 20 points exactly three times this season. They've won all three of those games. Uh, but more often than not, they're somewhere in the like 14 to 17 range, right? I mean, the last four games, 16, 6, 14, 17. And really all Indy does is get to 20 points. They might lose the game. You know, they, 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 they might find themselves in a shootout. And, and lose like 34-31. But I don't, I don't think Tennessee is really capable of keeping up in that scenario. I mean, Indy scored 20-plus in every game except for that, that you know, just ungodly disaster win over New England uh, overseas a few weeks ago. I mean, yeah. I, I think if the Colts if the Colts get to even 23 points in this game, to me there's only like a 20% chance that Tennessee can outscore them, right? So I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, these teams have already played earlier this season in week five. Uh, that was a 23-16 win for the Colts. And – Frankly, I, I think that's kind of what I see happening here again. And you know, we saw the Colts rush for 193 yards as a team in that game. They won't have Jonathan Taylor. Does that really matter to you? No, no. Zach Moss has played well enough this year that I don't think for, from a spread perspective that mm -hmm. uh, there, there's enough of a drop off that I'm really concerned about Indianapolis. The, the wild card is, you know, what if Will Levis shows up and, and really, you know, uh, is able to match pace and kind of break the narratives that, that we've expected. But, you know, that. Mounting evidence uh, to the contrary on that. So I, I think I'll side with the yeah. team with, with the more functional offense and and a, a defense that isn't great, but I, I think it's solid enough in both facets, whereas uh, I think Tennessee is um, kind of a glaring holes all across the secondary. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Tennessee got out to an early lead last week against a terrible Carolina team. You know, one of those scores came after a turnover, short field. They scored immediately. They tacked on a field goal later. Five of their last six drives were punts. You know, I, I just, it's just not a consistent offense right now. And, you know, the, the Colts can be scored on. I, I just don't really think Tennessee, uh, you know, more often than not, I, I don't think they're going to keep up with Indy. So that would be my lean. Take the Colts minus one on the road. Uh, all right, let's, uh, quick message from our friends at Circa Resort and Casino, presenting sponsor of this pod. They, of course, put on 
the Circa Billion Contest, Circa Survivor. It's football season at Circa Resort and Casino in Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game. This would be just the weekend of all weekends to be at Circa uh, on Saturday for college football, NFL on Sunday. Uh, you can catch all the action poolside. they got a variety of seating options, day beds, cabanas. Uh, you can just sit in the hot tub, chill in the pool. We've done it all uh, over at Circa Stadium Swim. It's located at Circa Resort and Casino, and it's open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. Book today at CircaLasVegas.com. That is Circa, C-I-R-C-A, LasVegas.com. All right, fun game. Could be a fun game, uh, I should say, out in Washington. Uh, we should at least have some points for one team here. The Miami Dolphins are nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, this total was actually sitting up north of 40, which is or no, north of 50, excuse me, which has been a rarity this season, but it's down to 49-and-a-half now. Tough game, tough number. You know, Miami, obviously a different team when they go on the road, especially this time of year. You, you have some concern. You know, Washington is one of those teams that any given week could show up. Uh, they haven't the last three weeks. They're coming off of a, a shellacking at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Slight rest advantage, you could say, for Washington, having played a day earlier. But, you know, Miami played Friday. Not really a whole lot to say there. I, I, I like the Dolphins here. It's hard to put any faith right now in Washington. And, look, maybe they get the, the post-Del Rio bounce here. But I don't, I, I don't think you want to be firing your defensive coordinator before playing the Dolphins of all teams. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for that. And Washington is in a free fall, of course, but nine and a half points at home. I don't know. Like, it, I don't want to trust Washington with that enough to like put it on the card, but uh, they, they are five, two, and one against the spread as underdogs this year. That gives me a little bit of pause. They're, they're at home. I don't know if it's going to be like chilly enough to, to affect uh, the, this Miami team in any way, but. I mean, I think Miami wins, but I think that in my heart of hearts, you know, maybe it's just by a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, Miami's had some kind of strange games, you know, throughout the year. Obviously, some of those have come against elite opponents, but you think back to the Raiders game a couple of weeks ago, and it wouldn't be shocking if this one played out like that, or even if Sam Howell, you know, got it together. And, you know, as we saw during like the middle portion of the season and even early on, you know, they were routinely getting into the high 20s, into the 30s. Like this, this could be a shootout type of game. It feels like Washington might be due for that. Uh, yeah. but, but for me, this comes down to the Washington defense. Mm. I mean, it's it's bad, man. They allowed almost 500 yards to Seattle. Seattle can't move the ball on anybody right now. And they That's allowed right. 489 yards. Uh, you know, they lost to the Giants by two scores. They're, you know, they're, they're losing the turnover battle 8-0 to zero over the last three weeks. Uh, obviously, six of those came against the Giants and, and somewhat of an outlier. But I think the bigger point is that the defense is not forcing turnovers. So, uh, you worry about the conditions. You worry about the you know uh, December game for Miami on the road. I, I totally get all that. Uh, if this game was in Miami, <laughs> I mean, I would take it up to what thirteen and a half for the Dolphins. Sure, no, I, absolutely. But it, it in this instance, I don't know. I have a I have a strange feeling in my gut about about Washington being able to to keep pace offensively. But yes, I mean Miami is absolutely going to be get yep. going to be able to get whatever they want on offense. So. Maybe if anything, I like the over in this game, even though it's 49 and a half. I could, I could definitely see that, you know, go going over. But if I had to pick it, I I, I like the commanders to cover. It okay. feels bad. feels terrible, okay. which which means it's a good bet. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to dance with an ugly date, John. That's what it comes down to. Hey. Um, Broncos, Texans. 
sneaky fun game in the AFC. Not a game that I would have had circled uh, even like three weeks ago. Uh, certainly not coming into the season. Texans, three and a half point favorites at home. Total up at 47 and a half. This is another one that Brandon Kravitz and I went uh, went head to head on. He, he was you know feeling the Broncos. I've, I've seen plenty of people. I think a lot of it is the number, right? You're getting three and a half. Broncos have won five straight. They got this defense turned around. Um, I, I lean Texans here, though. As long as the Texans are healthy, you know, the Tank Dell's been banged up this week. Obviously, the offensive line has just been a catastrophe of injuries this entire season. Dalton Schultz, I think, might not play in this game. He did not practice mm-hmm. at all today. Uh, so that worries me a little bit for Houston. But if this is a game that is played in the mid to high 20s or even the 30s, I, I don't see how Denver really keeps up. You know, Houston is the team to me that, you know, they could they could have a bad start. They could go down, you know, I don't know, 14 to 3 early on. And you, you just always feel like they're going to have a chance to rally back. Like they have hit... They have hit more big plays through the air than any team this season. And, and that checks out, right? I mean, that, that completely checks out if you've watched them uh, throughout this year. I mean, they, they have hit more passes of 25-plus yards than anybody. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe that's not something that you could bank on week to week. But I, I can tell you, as, as somebody who's supporting the team playing against them last week, they are they are a terrifying opponent. No, exactly. Like, uh, you know, the, you look back to the last month, like the, the Buccaneers game, the, the Bengals game last week uh, coming in within inches uh, of pulling off the win against the Jaguars. Like they're, they're just never dead. You cannot kill them. Um, so that's scary, of course. But um, I think to your to your point that this this game and maybe this seems like general analysis, but I think it really does apply here. Like whoever dictates the tempo. Um, is going to get the get the win here because the Broncos want to play an ugly game. They want they want to be the boa constrictor. They want to just kind of like slow and steady, squeeze you, choke you up, and and get out of there with, with an ugly close win. Three and a half points. Like I think the Denver can hang in there, but they they absolutely have to play their game. They have to keep a lid on that uh, CJ Stroud led offense because I mean you could easily so- see this going the other way. The, the Broncos defense regresses all of a sudden and, and, you know, Houston's absolutely running away with this one. So Denver wins is going to be close. If Houston wins, it's probably going to be a blowout. My, my lean with, with how these two teams have play, been playing. And I love, I love Houston. I was all over their, their win total coming into the season. I'm happy to say that it's already cashed easily. Yep. I want the Broncos plus three and a half. I do. Ooh. Okay. So I like Houston here. And part of it is, you know, Denver, they, they've had this incredible turnaround on defense. You know, it goes without saying, they were the worst defense in the NFL through the first six weeks of the season. Since then, they are seventh in EPA per play. And, and it's noticeable, right? You watch games, they, they don't look like the team that allowed 70 uh, to the Miami Dolphins and allowed, you know, 35 to the Commanders and, you know, look terrible against the Bears and the Jets. I mean, they were they were a one in five team not long ago. And, and all of a sudden now they're six and five. Over the last four games specifically, John, they have forced 15 turnovers. 15 and they have committed only three. Now I, I think the Broncos not committing turnovers. I think that is sustainable because of the way they play, right? They, that this is an intentional uh, method. I think for the, the Broncos offense, you're, you're limiting Russell Wilson. You're running a bunch of screens, a lot of short passes, a lot of just straight up run plays. And I think you can move the ball on the ground on Houston. So there is an argument here that Denver is the team that may be able to dictate pace, but man, if you take turnovers out of the equation, this defense does not quite measure up to that seventh in EPA per play. Right. And I just think at some point, I mean, you got four straight games where you forced at least three turnovers and you've won the turnover battle by at least two. Like that, that's got to come around at some point. Yeah, well said. Yeah, turnovers are, are not sticky week to week and certainly uh, over the course of a season. Like really the only team that that comes to mind that was a great team that, uh, you know, is kind of able to sustain kind of 
unbelievable turnover luck was the Saints team uh, yeah. that won the Super Bowl all those years ago. So that that's definitely a big concern uh, when, when it comes to banking on the, this alleged turnaround for the Broncos. But mm-hmm. I, th- I don't know. I, I think maybe in this case they don't even need to, to uh, be like plus two in the turnover margin to, to win. As long as they can just play sound and solid. Yeah on the defensive side of the ball and keep a lid on that, on that Texas offense. I think they, they should be able to keep it close enough. Okay. Panthers Buccaneers in the NFC South Tampa Bay, a five point favorite at home, uh, had some five and a half, even some sixes earlier this week. This one's come down a little bit low total at 37. You know, sometimes I would imply just, you know, if you got a low scoring game, maybe take the team that's getting five points. I don't know if I can get there with Carolina, man. I, I don't know if there's a, a post-firing bounce coming for a team that I think actually liked its coach. Maybe you could argue that Frank Reich isn't a good coach, whatever. I'll hear that argument. I don't think he's a dislikable guy. I don't think this is a Josh McDaniels situation at all. Um, if anything, I think Carolina, if you're a player on this team, you're probably just like embarrassed to even be a part of this organization at this point. I don't think you're, you're you know, rallying around the firing of Frank Reich over the last no. 20 years, for what it's worth teams in their first game after firing a coach mid season, 17 and 19 straight up 20 and 16, against the numbers. So you know, that's a trend that would maybe push you slightly in favor of Carolina. I, you know, there's something about watching the, the Panthers where they're, they're obviously a bad team, the worst team in the NFL. They're not comically bad. They don't, they don't make like the laughable plays They're You know, you don't have a, a 99 yard pick six at before halftime It's like, they're not the jets, but they're just boring. They don't do anything. Yeah. They, they're they bum you totally, out. They're totally content to go three and out seven times a game. Uh, they, they, they have fewer big plays through the air this season than the New England Patriots do. Think about that. Can you you even picture a 25-plus yard pass play for the Patriots? I don't know when those have happened. The Panthers have less on the year than the Patriots do. They've failed to score 20 points now in five straight games. They haven't topped 300 yards of offense in six straight games. You know, the other side of this is you're taking Baker Mayfield as a favorite, and he has a terrible record as a favorite throughout his career. So I'm not saying I feel great about this, but I I can't get there with Carolina. Exactly. Carolina's just that bad and and – but not needing a, t- a full touchdown to to get this cover, like Tampa Bay can easily win this game twenty to fourteen, and and we're fine. So I, yeah. I think it's it's going to be something along those lines. Um, you know, Tampa Bay hung in there against Indianapolis on on the road last week. Had the you know killer turnover uh, there at the end to to kind of you know swing things the wrong way. But they they usually tend to like hang around in in games where where they're dogs mm-hmm. and. I know as favorites, Baker Mayfield has uh, a not so sparkling track record, but I, I think bottom line here to your point that you opened up with, like the Panthers are just that bad and five points. I'm willing to, willing to take the risk there. Yeah. I think if this was at six, I would back away. Uh, but yep. I think getting it under, getting it under those key numbers is big here. So we like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, at home against the Carolina Panthers to win what will in all likelihood be a, a frustrating and ugly game. What will not be a frustrating and ugly game, John, is the 49ers-Eagles showdown that we get in Philly as part of the late window on Sunday. Eagles have played a gauntlet of a schedule. You know, I, I think they, they took a lot of heat for an easy schedule last year. Uh, keep in mind that NFL teams don't pick their opponents. Uh, this is all no. like rotation and, and uh, you know, record-based. But here we are now. The schedule's picking up. Obviously, they're coming off of big wins over KC and Buffalo. It's not going to get any easier. They are three-point home dogs to the 49ers. I know that some people were, were surprised to see that. That's fair. The the Eagles are ten and one, and uh, you know, obviously one of the best teams in football, not just the NFC. 
I think the 49ers are the best team in football, though, period. Yep. And I, I don't think that they mind going on the road here. I think that uh, the, the Eagles have had to play an absolute gauntlet lately. I mean, it, you know, the Chiefs game, the Bills game, even before that, a, a tough one against Dallas prior to their bye. And they've kind of had to squeak out all of them. And I think I think a game where they lose rather handily is is not far off. And I think that the way that the 49ers are playing lately, they're the team to do it. I think that everything's clicking on that offense. I think, uh, you know, Purdy's been pretty much mistake-free since the bye. And I think that that ties in nicely with, with their record since the bye. Obviously they had lost the three games going into it and Purdy was turning the ball over left and right. And that, that was a big issue for them. So he will need to, to be disciplined in that regard. McCaffrey's playing on just like a completely ridiculous level right now for his own part. And I feel like Brandon Ayuk is, is coming on strong. There's, there's just too many weapons for, for the 49ers on offense. Um, and I think this Philly secondary is kind of beatable, frankly. And, uh, you know, I think on the, on the other side, I think that this is a 49ers defense that um, probably welcomes uh, the, the physical nature of the, of the Eagles offense in its own right. I think, you know, Philly's gotten by on bullying people. I don't think San Francisco gets bullied in this spot. Give me the Niners, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But I think I like them, you know, the number doesn't have to just be three for me to like the 49ers. Yeah, sitting at three is tough. You know, I would have loved to to have gotten this in, you know, in circa at two and a half, which would have been massive. Um, I, I still – I don't mind it at three, right? You know, especially if we're, if we're passing on Dallas tonight, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to, to find a fifth game that you like. But, yeah, it, it, I'm kind of split on Philly because – they probably should have lost one or two more games along the way. And yeah, maybe they should have won the Jets game back in week six, but the, the defense has, has shown some pretty concerning cracks. And we knew it was going to be an issue coming into the year. You know, mostly the secondary was the problem, but um, you know, lately they've, they've done nothing but win, but they've hemorrhaged yards to Washington. They hemorrhaged yards to Dallas. Uh, you know, even Kansas city ran for almost 170 on them. You know, they gave up over 500 yards of offense to the bills in an overtime game last week. And I just don't think you can keep skating by like San Francisco is not the team that if they, if they get to 450 yards of offense in this game, they're not losing. They're not losing. No. That's, that's what Buffalo does. That's not what San Francisco does. Uh, there's also some pretty key injuries on the Philly side that we have to monitor. Um, you know, AJ Brown limited at practice all week. I think he's going to play, uh, but might not be hundred percent much more concerning to me is, you know, Fletcher Cox. He hasn't been ruled out, but there's been some, some whispers that he's probably not going to play Jordan Davis, you know, went out, Last week, late against Buffalo, he might not be available either. I mean, if one or both of those guys are out, I think that is potential disaster for Philly. So, you know, the question is, if you like San Francisco, do you, do you think more often than not they win this game by more than three? Like, do they do it pretty convincingly? I really do. Uh, I, I'm pretty strong on this one. I'm kind of okay. putting my, my San Francisco take on the table. Um, it's not really a, a slight at Philly whatsoever, but I, I just think San Francisco, they are those guys this year. Okay. All right, I'm fine with that one. Uh, we will set that aside for a potential circuit contest play, even at three. You know, we're we're, we're even at three. devil on that one. Browns Rams, Rams three and a half point favorites at home. Our total is forty. <laughs> this to me might be the single most difficult game to attempt to evaluate right now. Uh, partially because we have no idea what's going on at quarterback for the Browns. They have injuries. Amari Cooper was banged up last week. Miles Garrett was banged up. There's a few other, you know, key injuries on the defensive side. They got a, a couple guys in that secondary, including Denzel Ward, who've been held out of practice this week. At the same time, I, I'm still not quite buying it with the Rams. Like, I, I think they're back to a point where they could beat the bad teams, as we saw last week. And, and obviously getting Kyron Williams back, getting the running game going is going to be big. 
But going from facing the Cardinals to facing the Browns defense is about as big of a leap as it gets. Yeah, that that's a huge whiplash. And, and you know, there's no real home field advantage there at SoFi Stadium uh, for, for the Rams. So I think that the, the Browns just go in there and ugly this one up and, and escape uh, either with, with a win straight up or a cover. I think that we're going to see some turnovers from Matthew Stafford. I think that the Browns defense is, is the thing that carries the day in this one. And, uh, you know, if the Browns have to turn to one Joe Flacco, as, as Benson's alluding to in, in the uh, in the chat, I'm all for it. Uh, I want to see old Joe uh, do well uh, to to a point, um, you know, but January we'll see. But uh, for now, against the Rams, when no one expects anything from him, it would be very funny to see Joe Flacco out there, go out there and get a win. But, no, I, I just think that the Rams, they're not built to, to beat a great defense like this. And I think the Browns still have it at, at – would like it better if Miles Garrett didn't get dinged up a little bit last week, but assuming that he's out there and available, uh, this is a this is a winnable game for the Browns. Who you know that they know that they're going to have to win this way to to keep their playoff spot, and th- this is one of the games left on their schedule that they probably should have circled as a win. So the fact that they're even going in there as, as three and a half point underdogs probably doesn't feel great for them. I think they go in there and, and get this done actually, and, and three and a half favor, friendly number in their in their. Uh, favor i don't know if the browns win the game outright but i like them at three and a half i like the under on 40 the most in this game if you're i always think this is a good way to look at it you know when you're talking about a quarterback or certain key players if you are a rams fan who do you want starting for the browns uh you want dtr probably i think so right i I, there's the unknown with flacco he threw for 300 yards last year a couple times yeah i done yet, man yeah, I, especially if Amari Cooper plays, I think you want Joe Flacco. Um, yeah, we'll see, man. I did, we have no indication, you know, as of Thursday evening, but I, I would guess. I mean, DTR got knocked out pretty good, man. I mean, that was a, a monster hit. You know, still in protocols as of Thursday evening. I, I think we might see Joe Flacco. All right, let's get to we've got two more games Sunday and Monday night. Chiefs Packers. Uh, you'll see some five and a halfs out there. Uh, you'll see some sixes as well. This one locked at five and a half in circa. It's at six. At the DK Sportsbook, our total is 42 and a half. Chiefs, of course, favored on the road. Seeing a lot of love for Green Bay, uh, you know, not only covering this number, but I've even I've even heard some people say they think Green Bay could win this game outright at home. I, I don't know if I quite go that far. Well, I mean, you you live in a part of the country where you're probably more attuned to, to hear the, those type of takes, but <laughs> I might be. I've kind of been espousing that myself, though. Not not necessarily the win, but, you know, the Packers actually playing them close. You know, if you saw this on the Sunday Night Football schedule a few weeks back, you're like, dear God, what 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 are they doing to us? This better get flexed out. Now, not so much. I mean, the, the did the Chiefs really figure out their second half scoring issues last week by actually scoring against the Raiders? I'm not I'm not sure about that. And uh, I think that the Packers defense, it's been playing better lately. And Jordan Love uh, has been playing better for his part. As well, I mean, no, no turnovers in any of their uh, last three wins. Those have come in the last four weeks. I think he's looked good. I think that this young receiving core of kind of no names, I like those guys. Like I, I like Jaden Reed. I like Dontavian Wicks. Like uh, uh, Christian Watson, and you know, neither here nor there. But um, that, I don't know. I like this group. I, I am concerned that they're they're not going to be able to be balanced and being one dimensional against Steve Spagnuolo sounds pretty bad to me because I, I think the Chiefs have really kind of gotten by with their defense for the most part this season. So there, there's some concern there, but at, is it still at six at Circa? Five and a half. 
five and a half. Oof. Uh, you know what? I still like the Packers. Okay. Yeah, I, I like KC in this one. I, I think this is the come back down to earth game for Green Bay. And uh, not to take anything away from Love. Like, I, I don't think he comes out and just looks terrible. Like, I think he's made real progress and is picking up confidence. And, you know, certainly getting Christian Watson involved last week is, is the piece that Green Bay has kind of been missing in terms of big plays in this offense. So I, I think I think Green Bay can compete. I wouldn't be surprised if they cover. I would be pretty surprised if they win this game. Sure. Uh, just, you know, beating Mahomes and Andy Reid in, in any situation like Green Bay they're, they're still like the youngest team in the NFL man like it, I don't think they expect to win this game um and I, I think Kansas City defensively is still something that we're underrating with how good this defense has been like Green Bay yeah you beat the Lions I mean they've been the worst defense in football over the last four weeks uh you beat the LA Chargers that's a, a Jekyll and Hyde team and you know I don't which is which is like the bad side of Jekyll and Hyde Jekyll uh isn't it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah, which is so, a bad one though. Je- Dr. Jekyll, I assume. But like can you can you turn into a doctor as your evil uh you know alter ego? I, I think does your well, evil alter ego go to night med school? I forget. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, what I was going to say is, you know, they've been mostly the bad side of that, um, which is just I guess too dated of an analogy for us uh at this point. But <laughs> you know, also lost in that win to Detroit or that yeah, that went over Detroit last week is that they've they gave up a ton of yards to the Lions. The Lions just couldn't finish drives. You know, they, they made some bizarre decisions, like went for some weird fourth downs. Uh, obviously had the, the fumble six that, you know, put Green Bay up uh, by, by multiple scores early on, and they were kind of able to, to just run it out from there. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, three turnovers. Uh, he, he's turned the ball over a ton over the last couple of weeks. On one hand, that is who Jared Goff is. We've seen that in the past. On the other, you know, it's like one of the chances that that, that happens uh, again uh, with, with Patrick Mahomes, probably not. Um, you know, I think Green Bay has, has really benefited from, from some huge turnovers, some huge drops over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and they still, the defense has improved. They should be healthier this week than they've been in, in weeks past. They're still a bad run defense, man. I mean, this is, you know, we, we read that stat a couple, a couple of weeks ago where they allowed like almost four yards before contact uh, in that loss to the Steelers. And, you know, it's not like the Chiefs are this dominant rushing offense, but I think if the passing game is faltering, like they could fall back on Pacheco here and at the very least, you know, win this game by a field goal. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Hyde, also the 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 evil one. He's the evil uh, one. Okay, we, we, we've we've come with the I'm getting reports from my correspondents uh, in the chat. But no, you. I mean, those are all great points. Um, I, I would I would say that maybe I'm a little bit swept up in in what I've seen from the Packers of late, and and a little bit just kind of not overly impressed by, by the Chiefs over the larger portion of this season. I think they still have some problems as far as their pass catchers. Are concerned if Kelsey's not Superman, yeah. are they getting Rasheed Rice enough? Is Rasheed Rice the guy that needs to be getting like that much work? Like, should he be should he be getting that type of like target expectation on a given week? Should he be expected to be the number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes? Like, that feels like the the Chiefs have kind of screwed up that that receiving core a little bit. Does it matter here? Maybe not, but um, I'll stick with the Packers here. But I, I certainly understand the Chiefs side. Of okay. the equation, and and I'll probably leave this one off the old card. Well, you know, we, we got some things to discuss off air. Uh, one game I will try to sell you on, John, is mm. taking the Jacksonville Jaguars minus eight and a half on Monday Night Football. And this is an extra strong endorsement because you know I'm always trying to sell us on picking against the Jaguars. So it actually kind of scares me that I'm now in on them to, to win and cover this game. Um, this is their first Monday Night game, home or road, since 2011. That was a game that was started by Blaine Gabbert. Cecil Shorts played in that game, John. 
The following players were not even in the NFL yet. They were one or two years away from even being drafted. Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Le'Veon Bell, Zach Ertz, Luke Keekley. None of these players were even in the NFL the last time the Jags played on Monday night. This crowd's going to be hyped up. They're going to be out for blood. They know the streak. You know, it's been 12 years since they've had a Monday night game. And look, I, I wish Joe Burrow was playing in this game. You know, it's good for the Jags that he's not. This would have been a, a really fun showdown. You know, the Cincinnati would have really needed this game, you know, to hang around in the AFC playoff race. I, I probably would have picked the Bengals in that situation. I'm very curious to see, you know, how much do they open things up with Jake Browning? I thought they, they used it pretty conservatively, uh, especially early on against Pittsburgh last week. It, it, to me, if you're Cincinnati, like, what do you have to lose? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball again this week as they were unable last week. Jags run defense has been pretty good all season. Uh, Cincinnati, by the way, there's like a crazy trend in this spot. They are one in 25 straight up in road or neutral night games in the last 15 years. They've lost 16 straight in this spot. And maybe that doesn't help us with the eight and a half, but I, I don't see Cincinnati winning this game more than anything. I'm putting the Jake Browning stuff aside. We're putting the Burrow injury aside. Over the last five games, the Bengals have allowed an average of 430 yards per game. As we know, 421 to the Steelers in week 12. They got Sam Hubbard back. Didn't really matter. I think this is a get Travis Etienne back on track game. He's gone three straight now where he's been pretty underwhelming. Jags seven and one against the number in their last eight games. Love Travis Etienne anytime TD. I think Evan Ingram could get his first touchdown. Like this is one where I, I think the Jaguars offense, even if even if they commit their usual, like, you know, backbreaking fumble, you know, Lawrence throws a weird pick. I, I just I think they're gonna be able to score on Cincinnati. And um, you know, even if they give the Bengals a short field or they give up a couple scores, like I, I think this could be like a 31-20 game for Jacksonville. I don't. I don't even see how the the Bengals get a couple scores here. I think that that Jags defense it is is legit. Um, the, the teal curtain is real, you know. So um, I, I think that we have a situation where the Bengals are going to be one dimensional. We saw what the Steelers did; just take away the run game completely last week. I don't think Joe Mixon is going to do much of anything in this spot. And then you're trusting uh, Jake Browning to to figure it out, and really, it's just not going to happen. Uh, not not in this spot. Not in that raucous environment and it seems like over the last two weeks especially that that the Jags have really started to figure some things out on offense maybe it, it took that that butt whooping from San Francisco to, to kind of wake up and, and reassess some things uh, they've started getting Calvin Ridley the ball that's been nice um, you know they, there's been some encouraging developments that uh, Trevor Lawrence has been using his legs more so that seems to indicate that the, the knee issue that was bugging him going into that Saints Thursday night game I think that's behind him at this point he's I think he's an underrated athlete, frankly. So there's a lot going in, in the Jags favor here. Uh, you know, I'd be interested in alternate spread on them as well. I think that they they kind of take the paint off the Bengals who are, you know, they're they're dead now. They, they don't have Joe Burrow. It's over. Yeah, I don't like to get into the, like the emotional, psychological side of games, but there is something, you know, Cincinnati, even if Joe Burrow stayed healthy, I mean, they were they were facing an uphill climb to get to where they want to be in the AFC. And I, I think they would have gotten there, but it wasn't going to be easy. And, you know, this team knows they're, they're dead in the water, right? I think the mm -hmm. performance that we saw last week against Pittsburgh kind of hammered that home. And, um, you know, Jacksonville's a, a better team, a much better offense than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think, you know, this could be an obvious letdown spot for the Jags. I get that. I, I just, I don't think so, man. Like Doug Peterson, he, he's kind of a, a momentum coach. Like when they, when they're playing well, they tend to keep playing well, you know? That's and nice. I think this is one of those spots where they, they kind of sense blood here and, and have a big opportunity to take a commanding lead in that division and, and still, hang in there. Like Jacksonville needs this for the one seed. I, I think I've been saying that all year, like the Jags potentially getting the one seed. It matters more to them than it does Kansas city or, or even Miami or Baltimore. In my mind, I think the Jags are a team talent wise, where they kind of are in their general 
franchise progression, like getting that one seed would be massive. And I think that is. You guys are road warriors, though. You guys have been amazing on the. Yeah, well, I mean, they are. I that that's all well and good, but I don't want to go to Arrowhead for for. I wouldn't either. I don't want to go to Arrowhead for the for the AFC title game. Like you you want those games at home if you could get them. And Mm -hmm. um, I I think Jacksonville's keeping that in mind. So I, I like the Jags. Minus eight and a half. It's a big number. It's weird to see the Jags as, as such big favorites, but um, I think they win this game by two scores. My parlay of the week, John, we're going with a simple money line parlay. We're taking Pittsburgh. We're taking San Francisco and we're taking Tampa Bay. That gets you to plus two thirty at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Nothing fancy this week. Okay. I, I, I'm down with that. I, I'm getting a little weirder uh, with it. I'm doing an alternate spread for San Francisco. I'm taking oh. them up to six and a half. Uh, okay. Minus six and a half. Yeah, that that's on its own. It's plus 158. Then I like the Steelers minus five and a half. Then I like the Browns plus three and a half. That pays out 840. Okay. All right. You said you're getting weird. You backed it up. I like it. Taking the alt spread on San Francisco. We are going with a seven point teaser for the Nick Whalen's whale play teaser of the week. <laughs> we are teasing the Miami Dolphins from uh, – what is it? Nine and a half down to two and a half. We're teasing Jacksonville down to two, you know, just don't want to play with it. Both those teams getting them under a key number is big. Uh, and then we are teasing the Pittsburgh Steelers up to plus one and a half, you know, not, not something I feel great about there, but you know, just take the field goal out of the equation. They, they could even lose this game by one. Uh, we still win our teaser. So Miami two and a half Jacksonville two, Pittsburgh one and a half. That is our seven point teaser of the week. John, who are you going with for a best bet? Uh, give me the Niners. If I, if I like them at six and a half, I certainly like them at three. Um, but I I just think the, the Niners are going to make a pretty loud statement on, on Sunday afternoon. And uh, again, I don't think it, it says anything bad about the Eagles, but uh, I don't know. We're going to hear some, we're going to hear some some stuff about, about Philadelphia next week if it goes the way that I that I think it might. OK. All right. I'm surprised your best bet is not like alternate spread Niners minus 14 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going ballistic with it, just be, like sting coming down from the rafters or ludicrous, <laughs> I guess, from last week's example. Oh man, I, I love ludicrous. He was he was my guy like in elementary and middle school. Like I was the the biggest ludicrous fan in the state Absolute of Wisconsin, king. which is love that. It's okay, right? I mean, now he's now he's become this like world class like cyber hacker. Uh, never really saw that coming at the time, yeah. but uh, nice little career change for a guy, Luda. I'm between the Jags and the Steelers as my best bet. I'm going with the Jags. You know, this is this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to feel this strongly about Jacksonville. And I, I am very cognizant of having all my eggs in this basket. You know, normally I'd pull the classic emotional hedge here. We're taking the Jags. I, like I said, I think they they sense blood in the water with Cincinnati. I think this is going to be a it's going to be a wild crowd, man. You don't think of the Jags as having a great home field advantage. People are pumped for this game. Believe me, um, it's going to be awesome. And I, I think Jacksonville puts a big number on the board. So I'm taking the Jags minus eight and a half. I That'll do it. it. That'll do it for the week 13 betting breakdown. Uh, you can find the archive version over on the Roadwire YouTube channel. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your pods. John, best of luck, man. Looking forward to officially locking in the circuit picks later this week. And best of luck to everybody listening and betting the NFL this week.